As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Please welcome your CEO coach. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding to finances, set up to staffing, the CEO coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by one of the experts of online business growth, management, and development. Now, here to get you started is your CEO coach, Jillian Music. And welcome to CEO Coach this wonderful Monday morning in Seattle, Washington, wherever you are around the world. I'm here with John Corby, a CFA, a CIC, and Senior Vice President Portfolio Manager at Pacific Northwest. Welcome back, John. Thank you, Chilean. Happy to be back here. Okay. Uh, John, tell me, what does CIC mean? I know what a CFA is. Well, CIC is a Chartered Investment Counselor. It's okay. a program sponsored by the... Um, Investment Advisors Association out of Washington, D.C., which is a trade organization in the investment management arena. And it was started about 40 years ago to work in concert with the Chartered Financial Analyst designation, but designed specifically for people who are actually building portfolios and working with clients uh, directly. Gotcha. Uh, the, CFA, All right. the, the CFA can be more involved in in just straight financial analysts without necessarily building portfolios or working with Okay, clients. and again, that's certified financial analyst, or right? Chartered financial Oh, chartered financial analyst. Okay. So anyway, and your company, uh, the Pacific Northwest, is actually part of Boston Private Bank and Trust. That's correct. Right. So now we've, we've got a full hello for you. Thank you. Okay. Good enough. So today we're going to go and uh, get deeper into the weeds about some of the discussions we've had concerning issues that CEOs should think about as their companies come to fruition, if you will, as they actually get some kind of an exit or partial exit. In other words, there's money in the bank now. What do you do with it now? So 
let's talk about things like risk control because I know that that's the first thing you think about. Let's shut the barn door and make sure that whatever we own, yeah, we're going to have some money now and maybe then we'll figure out what we want to do with the rest. Well, right. And it's important, about risk. Well, it's an important concept to keep in mind because obviously when you've been, uh, when you've been a uh, starving CEO, if you will, mm-hmm. from a startup, uh, you have been living somewhat from hand to mouth and now all of a sudden you've got some capital that's at your disposal uh, and it should take a lot of uh, pressure off your mind, but you don't want to take too much pressure off your mind because you want to you want to start thinking about all right now that I've made some money, how do I keep that money? And one of the things you want to do is to be aware of of the risks that are out there. Now, as a CEO, you obviously know what risk is. You took a risk when you started your business, uh, but there's all different other kinds of risks as well in dealing with uh, the securities markets, and you want to make sure that you tune your brain, if you will, uh, to deal with those kinds of risks, risks of uh, uh, the kinds of investments you make, and, and really uh, defining risk in your own mind, uh, but starting from the premise of not losing the money that you've made through this liquidity event. Okay, so if I'm going to sit here and define my own sense of risk, what question should I be asking myself? Uh, how much how much of a decline am I willing to take in my investment portfolio? In other words, if I if I wake up or if I go to bed at night and uh, I've just read the evening news or seen the evening news and I found out that the stock market dropped two percent today, which it did actually more than two percent on Friday, uh, am I going to get a good night's sleep or not? I mean, it can be as visceral as mm-hmm. that. It can be okay. as visceral as how much volatility am I willing uh, to withstand in the marketplace? And if you can say, well, you know, I'm in it for the long haul, and 2% is just 2%, it's not 100%, and I'm okay with that, that tells you one level of risk uh, mm-hmm. tolerance that you have. If you're sitting there tossing and turning and you can't sleep a wink, uh, then that's another level of risk tolerance. And in some respects, you want to almost ask that question, uh, what is that percentage number where I'm going to be able to sleep at night? Is it a half a percent? Is it a tenth of a percent? Mm-hmm. And that's the starting point for giving yourself a, 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 a handle from a visceral standpoint on how much risk you're willing to take with okay. that. So that I, pile I of would money. suggest one that CEOs, by their very nature, have some of the highest risk tolerances on the planet. It is what defines a CEO, an entrepreneur CEO, not just a CEO, but an entrepreneur, right? They have that risk tolerance, they take that extraordinary risk, and the others who follow may their first employees who have a greater risk tolerance than average, right? But they're still looking for somewhat of a paycheck, and maybe they'll take bits of stock and this and that and so on to, to, to move it forward. And then as the company grows a little more, the next people in say, well, I'm working for a somewhat small company, but I'm hoping for a kind of big uptick. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the company gets real successful, those folks are looking for a paycheck on a regular basis. Their risk tolerance might be the lowest. So there is this balance along this, the curve, I would say that entrepreneurs have the highest risk tolerance on the planet. Okay. okay. Understanding that, though, you also want to say, okay, I got 10 million bucks out of this exit. I got 100 million. And some people we know got 1.6 billion. Congratulations again, Ms. Sandberg. But, um, <laughs> but, but seriously, you, you have a chunk and you say, all right, my risk tolerance for various sections of the money I have, segments of it, would be different. 
I'd say, oh, I don't know, I need $100,000 that absolutely isn't going somewhere, or I need $100 million that absolutely isn't going anywhere. Somewhere in between probably lies your number. And then you say, okay, that's the number I'd say, well, that must never be touched. We call that kind of widows and orphans stuff. You'd stick it in a bank and FDIC insured, whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And then you say, all right, now the next bunch. Well, gosh, I'd I'd rather it didn't get totally wiped out. And the other one go, ah, just go play with it, you know? I suspect we divvy up our portfolio, our our pocket of money that way. Yeah, I think it's probably a good, simple visual to keep in mind Mm -hmm. as a pyramid. Okay. If you think of it as the base of the pyramid, so the widest part of the pyramid, is that amount of money that you need to live on to meet your own needs and obligations. Mm -hmm. That's a really bright, squishy, uh, broad, squishy statement, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but you have an idea. Yeah, sure. it gives you an idea of uh, being able to feed yourself and house yourself and transport yourself. Mm-hmm. If you have a family, it allows you to start uh, providing for that. Your additional expenses obviously entailed with having a family, raising mm-hmm. a, uh, raising children. I know. You get into those braces. It just goes to hell in a handbasket. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not even talk about school. I know. Right. School and summer camp and so on. Right. That's okay. Right. So families do add a great yeah. deal of expense. So okay. and, and then looking backwards, too. I mean, you may feel mm-hmm. an obligation to take care of your parents if they That's sacrifice right. to put you through college or to, mm-hmm. to uh, give you seed money for your venture. That's uh, right. You may want to reward them in a certain way, too. So mm-hmm. you have to take all of that into account, and that provides your base. Right, then, Rand and I just did that uh, with this uh, recent funding and my partial exit at SEO Moz. So, sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Then, then you have a certain amount of money that you can move up the pyramid with that says, okay, I want to deal for future things that, uh, that I want to uh, be involved with. Um, I need to start thinking about inflation. Now, okay. Inflation hasn't gone away. We, we may be talking about, I mean, you're reading in the financial press about deflation and all of that, but... Deflation, I think, is a temporary affliction if it's even an affliction at all. And uh, my own personal opinion, which is my opinion and not necessarily shared by uh, my employer, Boston Private Bank and Trust, um, as is everything I say on this on this webcast. That's a good thing to point out. That's right. <laughs> okay. It keeps my attorneys happy. Um, is that inflation is is still around and and could be quite prevalent as we look uh, years down the road. So you want to be able to. Uh, put money aside that's in a more of a growth mode rather than a pure preservation mode to account for things like that. And you may want to increase your lifestyle too, again, depending upon mm-hmm. how big that liquidity event was. If it was a million dollars, you may aspire mm-hmm. to one lifestyle in the future. If it was $10 million or $100 million, um, that obviously uh, changes the equation a little bit. But there may still be some, some mm-hmm. uh, uh, desires there. And then the, third, the, the, the top of the pyramid, if you will, could be the riskiest level of the pyramid, that could be allowed for um, new business ventures. If you uh, decide to change careers and become an angel investor mm-hmm. or a venture capitalist and, and uh, you want to uh, invest uh, with a higher risk-reward uh, ratio, if you will, dealing in an area that, you, that you're familiar with. I mean, if you've been a biotech entrepreneur, uh, you may want to invest in other biotech companies because that's your core competency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, that, that top of the pyramid chunk would allow you to do just that. Okay, so then there's the interesting middle swath. 
The stuff, the, the bottom is the money I've got to put away because without that, life just doesn't go on very well. Right. And it could be, you know, gosh, I'm okay being poor and I know and, the, you know, what that's like and, and you just put a little bit away. Or, again, we may have families and so on. So you put out kind of a nice larger chunk and say, gee, I did earn this and I do want to live in a better style of life. Mm-hmm. And then the top you're saying is super risk stuff. You figure out what you want to do with that. You play with it or you launch a new company, whatever. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that middle piece? And uh, we're going to take a break here in about a minute. So just kind of give us an overview of what that middle piece entails, and then we'll dive in when we get back. Well, I think the middle piece would entail a, a reasonable diversification of the assets amongst a variety of different asset classes. And, and I will argue after the break, you will, you'll want to do the same thing even with that foundational piece as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just before we take the break, then tell me what is the definition of an asset class? We're going to get past the tribal speak and get this uh, right. you know, defined into English. Asset class it would be a stock or uh, fixed income investments, or real estate, or commodities. Those would be four examples of asset classes. Excellent. And diversification literally means putting some money in each of those kinds of buckets, or (laughs) at least a collection of them. That's correct. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to take a break here at CEO Coach, and when we come back, we're going to talk about diversification and this middle swath of what it is you do with all this money, and then we'll kind of get into the riskier stuff. This is Jillian Musig with John Corby of Boston Private Bank. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO coach right after this. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try MySEOTool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm Because not everyone's last name is Gates. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And welcome back to CEO Coach. 
I'm Jillian Music, your CEO coach, and I'm here with John Corby. Welcome back, John. Thank you, Jillian. Okay, we were talking a bit about diversification. Let's dig in. Let's get into the weeds there. What are you suggesting we look at as we say, gee, we've got to manage money now? And I'm going, gosh, you mean I can't throw it all in one bucket and keep going? That no. doesn't sound so good. Life, life would be very simple then. It sure would. Yeah. Some people like me probably wouldn't have a job, but that's mm. another story altogether. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's let you do your job now. <laughs> let's uh, work on me. Say, I've got... Um, I don't know. I've got five million bucks. What am I going to do with it? All right. Well, we're talking about uh, your your question that you posed was that sort of middle tier in terms of wanting to allow this pot to grow. You've already got a, a, a group of assets that's probably primarily income oriented. I wouldn't necessarily say exclusively income oriented, but primarily income oriented to take care of those basic needs that we talked about okay. in the earlier segment. So by segment. income oriented, it's not that they make income, but they give me income. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. So now you're moving a little bit further up the pyramid into that, how do I deal with the future stage? And there you'll be taking a little more risk and probably a little less income orientation. So you'd have more of an exposure to stocks, um, maybe more exposure to stocks that are more appreciation-oriented rather than income-generating-oriented if you understand the difference between Absolutely. the two. Absolutely. Okay. So appreciation, again, we're hoping that I'm going to buy it for 100 and it's going to be worth 1000 in the future, but it may not send me any dividends. That's correct. The first bunch may either be sending me dividends now and things like that uh, or interest and so on, or they may just protect what I have so it doesn't at least go away and it keeps up with inflation, correct? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. So let's keep going with this concept then, things that might increase in value over time. So growth stocks are, are a great area, and every CIO that aspires to an initial public offering is obviously involved with a growth stock because mm-hmm. it's a company whose sales and earnings are growing faster than the marketplace right. uh, because of a, of a unique product or service that they offer. That's an interesting line. A growth stock or anything right, that increases in value faster than the marketplace there's an idea. It's just so simple somehow to wrap your head around that. That would be a good way to look at something to invest, whatever it is. Well, yeah. Okay. And, and, and I would define it, and, and actually let me segregate it a little bit further if I could. I would define it as a stock of a growing company. Okay. Um, because um, I, I like to think of a differentiation between the, a growth stock and a growth company. Every CEO on this webcast aspires to a growth company uh, where they'll be continuing to grow their sales and earnings over time. Uh, a stock is really the representation of that company in the marketplace. And ultimately, the, the price of the stock is determined by how well those sales and earnings are doing over time. But at the end of the day, that price is determined in the marketplace by putting a buyer and seller together. And when you do that, there's a lot of other things that can get involved, including pure old animal emotions. Yes, absolutely. And so this concept of marketing comes into play. You actually do have to represent your company well across all sectors of the planet so that uh, people do feel positively towards your company. They feel um, comfortable and they've gotten to that trust sector so that they say, yeah, this is a stock we could count on. This is a company we can count on. Very interesting concept. And that's that's true uh, and you can do the best job that you possibly Uh can, but there can be factors that can occur completely outside your control. Now, those might be industry factors, for example, or political factors, It correct? could be industry. It could be what we like to call them macro factors. That's the yes. $5 term for it. And probably the best example of a macro factor is the uh, song and dance going on in Europe right now. 
absolutely right. Again, huge political and financial factors or economic factors yeah. over which we have no control. That's right. Absolutely. And yet right. that can still control the price of a stock because it, right. it sets out that emotional element of investing. Yes. You know, I'm, I, I think XYZ company is fabulous, but I'm scared to death about what's going on in Spain and Portugal, so mm -hmm. I'm not so sure I want to be invested right in now. Yeah. Right. So we'll wait till the dust settles. Yes. Okay. So what's the difference between investing in a company and investing using stock? Well, uh, I think, again, every CEO listening to this webcast knows what investing in a company is. You're actually writing a check or cashing in your credit card or mm -hmm. banging on the doors of all your friends and family to raise capital mm -hmm. so that you can open your doors and then you can start producing the product or service uh, that, uh, that, that you are. Uh, investing goes on every day in an individual sense. It goes on every day, uh, even in larger companies. People uh, spending uh, $20 million to buy a company, investing in all of the assets of that particular company. Uh, and then you own it. And uh, that's different than using stock because the stock is uh, a representation of your ownership. So you own a fractional share. When you buy a share of stock, you do own a fractional share of that particular company, but that stock price, because it's traded, if it is traded in an open marketplace, and there are some stocks that are not, they're privately held stocks, but if you if it is traded in, in an open marketplace, then a lot of these other factors that we were talking about earlier right. can get involved. And so it's, sure, you're, you're producing sales and you're producing earnings out of the good or service that you're providing to the marketplace, uh, and that is recognized to be sure it's a large part of what people will end up paying for uh, that stock. Um, but as I said, there can be a lot of things that can happen in the interim that have uh, no bearing on the individual company that can still control that stock price. Makes good sense. Okay. So as we move on, the, this concept of um, investing in stocks that's what we would probably do with the middle swath of the money that we would take out of a, a partial exit or a full exit of a company, right? That would so, be, that would be a, a part of it. And, yeah. and as I said, I wouldn't... Let's talk about some of the other things we might want to consider. Okay. Uh, well, you would definitely want to consider fixed income investments. So okay. bonds. What would that be? Bonds. Uh, it okay. could be corporate bonds, so bonds uh -huh. of large corporations. It could be uh, government bonds. It could mm -hmm. be uh, bonds of our own government here in the United mm -hmm. States. It could be bonds of other countries overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, there are municipal bonds that uh, in some cases have tax advantages uh, that That's one right. can invest in. There, yeah. So tax advantages on municipal bonds, uh, usually they can become, uh, how is it, some of them are actually tax-free on your you know, on, on your income statement, right, as you, you cash those in, right? Well, as, as the income comes to you, yes, the income is received tax-free. Right. And depending upon what state you might live on, it would be tax-free on your government returns, and it would also be tax-free yes. on your state returns. Possibly on the state as that's well. That's correct. Yeah, that's what I was checking with. Okay. Here in Washington, we don't have a state tax, folks who are listening, so I wasn't quite sure, again, uh, whether some of the states also did that. So but, that could be very living, advantageous. If, yeah, if you're living in yeah. a state like California yes. or Connecticut or New York, it's extraordinarily Yes, because they have quite a significant state income tax. Okay, so that's good stuff. So maybe bonds uh, could be local, national, or international. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the stocks, we talked about that. It could be then, different, different quality bonds, too. Okay. Um, like if you, if you uh, buy a bond of a company like Exxon, 
yeah. or um, IBM. I mean, these are these are companies that are very highly rated. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of them have higher ratings than our own government right now, which is uh, could uh, be which, so. Yes, which, it's which, a little which, scary. Yeah, which is another conversation mm-hmm. altogether. Yes, and we'll take one more break here. With that note, at CEO Coach, when we come back, we're going to wrap up and talk about some tips. Uh, the first things we should be thinking about, again, the complete uh, idea of how to manage this middle swath. And then, of course, I think every CEO has an idea of what they'd like to do with that high-risk stuff they're going to play with at the top end. This is Jillian Music with John Corby of Boston Private Bank. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO coach right after this. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrand. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. WebmasterRadio.fm, the addiction that's good for you. We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And welcome back to the final segment, John. I appreciate you being with us today. We're talking about all kinds of things. We're talking about this pyramid of hang on to your money, invest in some reasonable, if you will, um, what did you call that again? different asset classes diversification so of assets diversification of assets is the term and then of course the uh, wonderful stuff we get to play with at the top now as we divvy this up um, again you were talking about different kinds of asset classes what other asset classes should we be thinking about and then what kind of advice would you give or tips would you give to a CEO as they begin to get their head around these ideas well, there are other asset classes. I mean, the, the, the very broad ones are considered equities and fixed income. And, and then equities you, are? Equities are stocks. Okay, okay. and fixed, fixed income, income are the bonds. Are the bonds, okay. And then we talked a little bit in the earlier segment about the different kinds of bonds, and we also talked a little bit about the different kinds of stocks, too. 
So other asset classes that can be considered uh, would be real estate. Uh, real estate could be the house you live in. It could be a house that you buy that you rent out. It could be an apartment building that you buy. It could be a real estate investment trust. It could be a number of different vehicles that you could be using to invest in real estate, whether it's residential real estate, uh, what they uh, fondly refer to as multifamily uh, uh, residential real estate, which is a very fancy way of saying apartment buildings. And then it's uh, commercial real estate. And commercial real estate could be the uh, strip mall that you go to the 7-Eleven to get your cup of coffee in. It could be a two-story um, industrial park, uh, or it could be that 80-story building downtown. So those are different kinds of real estate uh, that you could be looking at. And real estate's interesting because it's, it's almost like a stock and a bond combined mm -hmm. in that you buy real estate and the real estate could appreciate in value over time as well as spinning out income from the rent that's being generated by all the people leasing mm -hmm. space out of that. I noticed that a number of folks um, around the world, including a large number of uh, entrepreneurs coming out of uh, China, uh, what was Soviet Union, so mm -hmm. Russia, Estonia, um, and, and many of the stands, if you will, right, right. Um, and the Ukraine and so on, are investing in real estate properties in London, in New York, or in other places in the States and so on, literally uh, just wreaking havoc with the real estate pricing structure because what they're really trying to do is take cash and move it from one country to another and say, put it down there on an asset that I can use perhaps when I'm here once in a blue moon, but mostly I have money here that I could you know, sell an asset and, and have some cash if I had to. Well, I think in, in the examples that you describe, a lot of it is capital flight. It's people yes. getting, getting capital out of uh, Russia markets, and right. the old CIS states and out right. of mainland China and out of certain markets yes. and protecting their assets right. from I there. I even see it coming out of the Middle East and uh, from Dubai and so on. So uh, that's an interesting thing and it does kind of wreak havoc with uh, real estate here in the United States, this being one of those places where that flight money would end up mm -hmm. and of course Great Britain being another one. Um, so that's something I guess we have to think about as we move forward in deciding where we're going to put our money and what might happen to that real estate. Well that's exactly right and that's no different than the emotional aspect that I talked about in terms of stocks mm -hmm. because people moving money from one place to another may not care about the price of it they just want to get the capital out of there that's right and that's why they're, so they're willing the price. to take right ahead yeah. necessarily yeah. right but they have most of the capital and, and out you can argue that in the art market as well and even in the wine market uh, with the Chinese and uh, the new wealth in China coming out of um, yeah, uh, coming out and, and, and just buying luxury goods yes. and bidding the price up of luxury goods. Just mm -hmm. uh, remember a couple of weeks back uh, at Sotheby's, I think it was the Scream mm -hmm. uh, that came out, and yes. it was a uh, unknown buyer, uh, mm -hmm. and they bid the highest price yeah. uh, ever for one of Munch's uh, works. That's and right. That's right. So, we read that with great interest. Yeah, you wonder how much yeah. of that is an investment and how much of that is just emotion, too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So that's the asset class spread, everything from antiquities and real estate into stocks and bonds and, uh, and so on. Anything else that we should be thinking about in that sector? Currencies are something. You know, the currencies right. of different sovereigns uh, is something that could be thought of as an asset class. And commodities can be thought of as an asset class, mm -hmm. too. You know, so many people think about commodities. A lot of people think about them as just they're in the Midwest, uh, wheat and corn mm -hmm. and pork bellies and things like that. But there's also uh, gold and silver and copper yes. 
And, and they can are, actually be quite volatile as well, yeah. I've seen over the last months. Well, they've been very volatile over the last years because a lot of those uh, commodities, so to speak, are involved in industrial manufacturing and involved in a lot of the things going on uh, within China as China is changing their economy to uh, build up their infrastructure as well. So uh, I think that the, 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 really to sum up the asset class uh, discussion, Jillian, is you want to be looking at a variety of different asset classes and you, you want to be thinking about the portions of the money that you put in those asset classes. And you want to make sure that you're aware of the fact that within those asset classes, they all don't seem to move alike. That's one, port, that's one very important concept to keep in mind, and that's actually a, a good tip to leave your listeners with. Um, you don't want asset classes to all move together. You're really looking for, to diversify your, your wealth among asset classes that are going to move differently, or what we call non-correlated or least correlated mm -hmm. assets. A statistical term that I think a lot of people might understand, but it's very important in the investment world because what you're trying to do is to put your money in different buckets so that the sum total of all the buckets aren't moving around as much. Each individual asset class may move around, but if one moves up and the other moves down, they tend to neutralize each other and that whole pie stays stable. And that's really going back to a comment that we made at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, dealing with risk. Yes. And having that, that, that volatility of that big chunk of money, if you will, uh, be lessened, particularly mm -hmm. as we're looking at very volatile times to be investing in a lot of different asset classes. Absolutely. Yeah, some of it's crazy. So we've got about a minute left. Uh, first thing, how do people reach you, John? Uh, best way to reach me is via email, and it would be jcorby, that's uh, C-O-R-B as in Baker Y, that would be all one word, at Boston Private Bank. Again, that's all one word, dot com. Okay, so they can reach you at jcorby at bostonprivatebank.com. Um, and as we wrap up here, tell me this, uh, some of the control for tax impacts and so on. Uh, we've been talking about all of these bits and pieces, and I just see we've got one more topic we probably want to put a few seconds into. Well, it's probably a topic that's worthy of a whole other webcast. But, <laughs> but I think it's important to keep in mind that you, when you're investing with, uh, with money outside of a retirement vehicle, you need to be paying attention to taxes. And there's lots of different ways that you could be doing that. Uh, when you invest in mutual funds, you lose some of the control over that that you would gain if you invested in a portfolio of separate stocks. You're mm -hmm. able to maintain uh, some of that control. So there might be yeah. some advantage in making your own decisions rather than just saying, okay, here you go. Here's, here's a fund. I'll take everything you got. That's okay, right. got and, it. And, and within a fund, you lose that control yes. because external yes. factors can, can okay. have an impact on that okay. fund uh, mm -hmm. that may create a taxable event that you mm -hmm. had no control over generating. I understand. Okay, so yes, of course, if it's not going to be tax-free, then you better be thinking about the taxes or maybe the benefit of the upside just got wiped out with all of the things that one must pay as well. That's right. And we, okay. have, we have our own tax structure in this country. And then for your, for your listeners abroad, you mm -hmm. obviously want to be paying attention to the mm -hmm. tax structure within your own uh, sovereign uh, area. Excellent. Thanks again for joining us, John. This is Jillian Music at CEO Coach. We'll be back next Monday or wherever you are in the world. Uh, you can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm or through iTunes. Till next week.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.